As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike Trout is coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Starkville is now part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all World Series long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the Athletic, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Lanville. Doug, I'm happy that you escaped the side of that road that you were on last week. <laughs> happy World Series week. Yeah, so I had to do some driving trickery. It worked pretty well. I followed a UPS truck that was going and reversed down the wrong way on a ramp. That was really interesting. But uh, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, happy happy uh, playoff <laughs> times here. We're, we're at the crossroads. We This is what we do it for. We have reached the World Series level. So I'm very excited about this. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is very exciting. But Doug, that's not all we have on this show that's exciting. Because I'm not just welcoming you to the show. Mm-hmm. We are both welcoming back the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster. Uh, Tim's been off for a few weeks. Uh, it's definitely not because we impeached him. <laughs> it's because Tim McMaster is now a dad. So let's bring Tim in here. Yeah. Tim, congratulations, my friend. Uh, tell us about your little one and uh, about how much or little sleep you've been getting. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's great to be back, but it was also great to be away. And um, I guess compliments to The Athletic for <laughs> allowing me to be away for a bit. But Ailey Saren McMaster is... Uh, 
Just up to eight pounds now. She came a little bit early, Jason, uh, three weeks early to uh, surprise us before October. Uh, But she is happy and healthy, as is my wife, Mandy. So everything is going great. I'm happy to be back. As for the sleep, you know, I like you now, I used to travel during the playoffs (laughs) for MLB. So I feel like I'm like pulling on those experiences right now of the up late, (laughs) up early, you know, can't sleep because of whatever reason. But yeah, certainly going on fumes. But um (laughs) But we'll get there. <laughs> who, who causes us generally to? Who, who causes you generally to lose more sleep? Is it us, or <laughs> it is one? definitely the little one right now? <laughs> so don't worry about it. That's what that's Maybe. what kids do best. Yeah, yeah. We're we're, we're pretty low maintenance compared to three week year old three week old babies. Yes, yes. So yes, I like outstanding. <laughs> right, Ross. Tim. Yeah, it's like two. We're our second. Your second yeah. child. So. I feel uh, honored in that distinction. And uh, yes, going through four, and Jason with three, we kind of understand the sleep. Uh, three for sleep me. is yep. pretty, yeah. So we're we're all, you know, in sympathetic, but sympathetic love. So carry on. Empathetic. Empathetic and it's sympathetic empathetic. love. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine the, the multiple right. anyway, um, children at once, but we're, we're doing well with one, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's that there's that old expression. Uh, one is like none, two is like ten. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what three and four are, but that's a lot of kids. <laughs> well, my expression in my house is always the kids are always on the power play. because yeah, <laughs> we're playing a we're playing a skater short always. All right, uh, Doug, Doug on a, a two man power play or whatever the heck it is. Anyway, but let's move along here. Uh, Tim, congratulations! We are so excited for yeah. you, uh, Doug. I join you from Houston where the World Series will begin Tuesday. And while I'm sure that America probably would have preferred Dodgers-Astros or Dodgers-Red Sox, is it okay if we get the matchup between the two teams who are actually playing the best right now? Is that allowed? allowed. It's permitted. I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, yeah, and you know, Freddie Freeman, what a story. Uh, Recognized as... Lots of yeah, stories. Yeah, the good guy. I mean, just so many cool stories. So, yeah, Dusty, I'm very excited to even consider it. But, yeah, it's totally fine. Atlanta Braves. First of all, I spent my whole career chasing the Braves from Philadelphia and never catching them. So, you know, it's just it's just another championship <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Those guys just win. Yeah, it went on again. Yeah. The Braves' participation in this World Series, um, this does not work like the voice. You don't get to vote. <laughs> who you want to see advance. This is sports. You get the matchup that you get. And I actually love this matchup, so let's talk about it. Um, First off, let's fill you in on our guest today. Uh, We're doing something that we've thought about doing before, but we've never actually done. We're doing a rewind of two of our favorite conversations on this show. Uh, One is with Dusty Baker, manager of the Astros from a year or so ago. He is a pretty good story. Uh, the other is from uh, Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos uh, from right after the trading deadline. It's good reason to talk to him about that. It's just incredible to look back on both those conversations now, given where their teams are. Um, so, Doug, let's just kick around you and I a, a couple of these World Series storylines. Um Doug, I think we should start with the managers because they're both great stories. Uh, Dusty Baker is 72 years old. Brian Snitker just turned 66 years old last week. So this is a good birthday present. But it's the first 
World Series matchup ever of managers who are 65 years old or older. Um, you know, at a time when the managing business has been skewing younger, what should we make of the fact that we have two managers in this World Series who have been there and done this all their lives? Well, you make out of it that experience over time and wisdom that comes with that experience matters. It, it really matters. And, you know, you think about Dusty Baker and how much he is not only developing, you know, winning tradition and trying to achieve something as winning a World Series, but he also is developing people and learning, you know, that's what I got out of my experience in playing for him, that he cared about you as a person and that he saw life as an extension of what you invest in this game and the lessons with it that can be carried with you for the rest of your life. So, uh, you know, and, I, and so I think it's exciting to see that these managers have this relevancy to this generation of players that are generally so young and exciting and, and you know, coming in and breaking on the scene at younger and younger ages, it seem like some of the top players are in you know, less than 25 years old, and yet they still can relate. They still understand how to connect uh, and and I you know I think both managers add that secret sauce to the equations of the analytics that provide real time algorithms and real time understanding while still understanding and applying something that is something that you learn by just being able to read people and be able to be good managers and teachers of people. So that you know so it's good to see it's good to see that there's so many different ways to win a baseball game just like there's so many different ways to lead. And I think that's an important lesson for a sport that has so many people from so many different walks of life and, and different countries all coming together. So I'm, I'm really happy to see it. Yeah, you said that really well. And uh, I, I agree. Now, you know, it's, what's really important here is that both these guys stay current and you know, that's so important. Um, you know, if you're going to be uh, somebody who constantly talks about, well, here's how he did it in my day, you can't manage in 2021. Uh, standing on your lawn and screaming, get off my lawn, that doesn't fly. You, you've got to have the ability to adapt, to adjust to the people, to the thinking, to the way games are managed, to the way they teams are managed to the way baseball is thought through in this day and age. Both of these guys do that so well. Um, you know, what did Dusty say the other day? I may be 72, but I think I'm a cool 72. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. And Brian Snicker is a guy, he's got so much wisdom and a likability to him. Uh, really understands the game as it's played today, but connects to how the game was played and managed once upon a time, 80s, 90s, the history of the Braves. It's all part of who he is. And as you, you said this, Doug, they both have the ability to be leaders. Um, you know, it, you, you can't lead if people won't follow. You have to have the ability to connect and the vision to lead in all sorts of ways. They're both so good at that. And it's a reminder that if you have the kind of personality and presence that Dusty Baker and Brian Snitker have, you can still manage at their age here in the year 2021. All right, let's talk about the NLCS 
MVP Eddie Rosario. I've been I've been watching this unfold. It's been amazing. I, in the NLCS, Eddie Rosario hit 560, Doug. 560. Uh, last five games, 24 trips to the plate. He got on base in 16 of them. It was amazing to see. I, you know, I never saw Ty Cobb play, but like that—that's what it felt like watching Eddie Rosario. It was a shock when he made an out, and it's really interesting to me um, as somebody who has written about so many different Octobers and characters of October. How this happens so often. Um, like Eddie Rosario has always been a good hitter for a long time, but not this good. And Randy Rosarino was last October's story. Why do you think this happens? Maybe not every October, but so many Octobers when players like this rise to this incredible level at the most important time of the year. Some players just you know meet that dream head on, and and they just reach the pinnacle of the sport and and they thrive. They just kind of have a certain trigger. And I've played with a lot of guys that whether you want to call them clutch performers or, you know, just understood the big stage, but they had a certain presence and certain things sort of clicked. And Rosario was a great story because when he was traded, he was hurt, you know, still kind of recovering before he got the, the opportunity. And as we know, Alex Anthopoulos made moves to get all these great outfielders are at least are great in a way that they've had great moments and great years at different times. And for them to put it together at the same time, Rosario's one of those guys. I mean, he had over 100 RBIs, 30 home runs in Minnesota. This is no slouch. And, you know, he matched up well. But then you kind of see what happens when they're confronted with not only getting the opportunity that maybe even he doubted he'd have because of the struggles and the injury, but also just being able to d- dig deep enough and find all those things that were already successful about him as a player and, and do it at the biggest stage. You know, some of these guys just shine. And, and uh, you know, from Cody Ross to, you know, <laughs> to, to whoever, Travis is Ishikawa. I'm using a lot of giants, but, you know, that's what's so <laughs> exciting about it. it any, anybody can be uh, the star of the show. That's why I always rejected the word unlikely hero. It's like I always felt it as a very backhanded compliment because anybody there is likely. Anybody could have a moment. Any That's player right. can pull it up. And by the way, they're all major league players that have had success along the way. So uh, I think Rosario has just embodied that. Yeah, I mean, the one the one guy who felt to America like he came out of nowhere who didn't have this kind of success and has been such a huge factor in this postseason is Tyler Matzik, uh, the left-handed pitcher for the Braves. Um, two years ago, pitching for the Texas Air Hogs. We need to talk about the Astros. I've been to Houston in October so many times in this run that they've had, but this one's different. Uh, this is my first trip back to Houston since the big investigation of the cheating scandal and, you know, I'm surrounded in Houston by people saying, oh, the Astros are going to prove how good they are. And this is all about redemption for the Astros. And I, I, I don't know what it is exactly. I know Ken talked about this on Ken Rosenthal's mailbag show uh, yesterday. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. This is a chance for the Astros, but a chance to do what exactly? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's for me, it's so personal because of Dusty Baker playing for him and knowing that he's 
had to fight so hard for so long to just get this opportunity. I mean, he's played, he's managed forever, he played forever. And, you know, there was times he got fired after winning 90 plus games and, you know, just on the side of the road after, play, you know, managing the Nationals. And then finally gets this opportunity. And the only opportunity that really came his way was a team that was involved in one of the biggest scandals in baseball history and that he had to go kind of clean up and figure out, even though the mess that he didn't make. But in some ways, I think it's revealed what makes him great. In some ways, it is a celebration of his skills and being able to focus on things that he always talked about, forgiveness and patience and, you know, you know, sort of not judging and moving into the direction of positive energy and embracing all people and the lessons. I mean, this is him. So in some ways that, you know, just like companies hire people to turn things around, you know, they, they have bad images or whatever. That's Dusty Baker uh, and how he's just lived his life. He's always focused on positive and yet done it with such a swagger and such a passion and a determination. So in some ways, you could center it around Dusty Baker and what the positive can come out of, you know, the Astros getting this far and possibly winning a World Series. Like, this is like, you know, with steroids, PEDs, you can't get away from it. I mean, even people not involved with PEDs at all, it still follows baseball like a shadow. And that's what happens when players and organizations and whatever make choices uh, to, to cut corners. As my dad would say, shortcuts lead to long cuts. And, and so, so when you think <laughs> about the Astros and their choices, that's, you know, it's going to come with the territory. And, and Baker's found a way to sort of embrace the villainous side of it, but also look ahead and say, you know, this game is also about finding a way to move forward. And, and, and I think they know that people aren't going to just let it go, especially teams that were directly eliminated or whatever it was. It's not going to just go away. So, you know, this is one step. But I don't think winning is going to be like, oh, see, they're, they're legitimate. People are just going to always, there's going to be always a large segment that's going to feel like it's tainted regardless. But I think what you can compartmentalize a lot is what Dusty Baker and so many new players that are coming to this team this season are bringing. And, and I think that, uh, in fairness to them who weren't there, you know, the, it's like there is some semblance of, of a fresh start. And they were always a talented team. Let's not forget, this is the team... Uh, on paper, uh, on the field, 2017, they were just a, a really good team. 2019, if they won, they would have arguably won one of the best teams of all time with the 27 Yankees. I mean, this team was really good. So um, it's unfortunate that they, they cast their shadow and that that shadow just kind of is going to stay with them. And there's there's not it's not going to ever be something that goes away on their timetable. And that's just how things are. Um and I think it's understandable. So we'll see. But, I, you know, Dusty Baker winning this championship would be special on a personal level for what I know Dusty's went through. He's hit every stop in the coaching world to get to this point. And so that in and of itself is, you know, many ways for me personally larger than the Astros. But it doesn't take away from the fact that the Astros, you know, are still, you know, still reckoning with a lot of things and the choices that they made. Right. Just because they're in the World Series, and even if they win, <laughs> uh, I've got news for everybody in Houston. Uh, it doesn't make what happened go away. It never goes away. It's always part of their story, and we'll always be forced to wonder, what if? What would have happened had they not done whatever the heck they did? Um, but 
it, it also doesn't change the fact that these are incredibly talented players who have continued to win uh, even since Major League Baseball really clamped down on all of us. Uh, the, the rules have changed. Uh, the, 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 the things they were doing that they've admitted to doing in 2017, you can't do them anymore. Um, you can try to steal signs the way teams have stolen signs for 100 years, but you can't steal them that way. Um, and so we're going to, at some point, have to reflect on the core group of this team, um, Altuve, Still here. Carlos Correa, still here. Go around the infield. Yuri Gurriel is still here. Alex Bregman, still here. Those four guys have played in the postseason together now five incredible seasons in a row. And actually, it goes back even before then. Um, You can root against them. But, Doug, as you just said, it's impossible to root against Dusty Baker. It's impossible. And that's the reason that you hire Dusty in the first place, because he carries that kind of dignity and universal appeal. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I think on that note, we should go back in time to our conversation with Dusty on this very topic. Um, Doug, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're doing something a little different this week. We have so many incredible conversations with people across baseball on this show that sometimes they just fly by way too fast. So this is a week to uh, recall two of our favorite conversations. Uh, And I, I, I think we should start with Dusty, uh, managing in the World Series this week. But when we spoke with him, this was a year ago, it was right before his first season with the Astros. Uh, Much of what he said then still resonates. Uh, In fact, it rings more true than ever. So we wanted to play it back now and then reflect on it uh, and on what this World Series means to him personally. So, so, Doug, we were just talking about the whole idea of redemption for the Astros or whatever it was, whatever it is this is going to be for them if they win. And, um, you know, we spoke with Dusty about that very topic uh, and how the world will accept these players if they win again, uh, how much credit they will get and he will get, and how they've all been trying to deal with this in the wake of this scandal. So let's listen to how Dusty spoke about that a year ago. Well, you know, in spring training, I mean, it was kind of tough. 
you know, I mean, you know, you had to, you know, defend something that you weren't there, but you also, you know, you're also a part of it now. And, you know, I saw the genuine remorse that, you know, that the players had, uh, but you know, how many times can you say you're sorry? You know what I mean? And we, and, and, and they came out and said that, I mean, we talk about forgiveness. We talk about this or that, but we're not a very forgiving, uh, um, um, you know, country really or world you know because this it's it's constantly you know you bring it up i I mean and you know if a person is requiring forgiveness you say you know you repent for what you did wrong okay uh you you know you hope you never do it again and then you got to flush it then you got to like you know forget it and put it in the past because you know guilt is i think is is one of the worst emotions in the world because i you know i lost my brother uh a year ago and, and, you know, to manic depression. And I know that, that, that part of it, the most of it was probably due, you know, to guilt. You know, he was a, a, a brilliant kid, uh, was a, um, uh, you know, CLU and insurance, CFP, certified financial planner. He had double masters. I mean, this, I mean, this guy was brilliant. And then during the stock market crash and during the, in the, the, the 80s, you know, he lost some money, you know, for all of us. But, you know, he couldn't get over it. And that's what I learned at that time about you got to flush it. You got to get rid of guilt because guilt won't let you sleep. Guilt won't let you uh, eat. Uh, it stays constantly on your mind. And so these, these are some lessons that, you know, I've also told, you know, my team about. Boy, powerful stuff from Dusty Baker. Um, the, the world is n- never going to forgive the Astros. There, there are people who will never forgive them for what they did. A lot of those people live in LA. Some of those people live in Boston. They will never forgive the Astros for what they did. But that doesn't mean we can't recognize the greatness of their players. Uh, And we certainly have to recognize what this would mean to Dusty Baker if he wins. Uh, he's, He's the uplifting story in this World Series. Uh, And it just feels like practically the whole world is pulling for him. 1987 games won as a manager in the big leagues. Never won a World Series. Most games ever by a manager who hasn't won. And we asked him about that. You know, Phil's was the last dance. Even before I saw the last, the, it was called the last dance. <laughs> right. See, I already had my, I already had my title. I had the last rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so, yeah, this is my you know, my last hurrah. And, uh, you know, it was presented to me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to win. Heck yeah. I mean, I've always felt, Hey man, if, if I win one, I win two, but, uh, and I, and I got a chance to, to, uh, uh, you know, possibly win two, you know, we get back this year, you know, this is anonymous to us in 1981, where in 1981, the Astros won the second half of the season. The the, the uh, uh, Dodgers, which I was on, won the first half of the season. Cincinnati had the best overall record and didn't get to go to the playoffs, and we and we were the world champions. And that's been a long time. I mean, I've had opportunities. I mean, to hook a crook or 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 or, or, or call a play, a, a move, or something, uh, you know, that prevented that, you know, you know, from you know from happening. And uh, uh, yeah. It doesn't eat at me, but uh, uh, um, 
And, you know, it really doesn't bother me that, that people, oh, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. I mean, I've done quite a bit, but I haven't. Yeah, but there's, 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 there's one, one more thing left to do. And, uh, well, two things left to do. Uh, there's, there's a championship and then, uh, and then to win 2000. Yeah, a championship in 2000 games. He's gone, well, he needs, he doesn't have a contract. So he's going to need another contract to get to 2000. He's got 13 more games to win. But the part about winning the World Series, he can take, he can take care of that part. Uh, this coming week, and uh, the whole world will be watching. Okay, w- one quick aside: the the uh, the other clip on winning that was about him winning and never getting another job. Tim, all right, let's skip that one. Okay, um, okay, one more clip from Dusty. This is not from our conversation with him last year. This is from uh, the other night after the after we learned the Braves had won the NLCS, and he was going to be playing the Braves in the World Series, the team that originally drafted him. Uh, let's listen to Dusty talking about this matchup, Astros against Braves. You know, the Dodgers were 100 and some victories, and so, you know, they had to fight the whole way. Uh, you know, they got a good team. You know, they got good pitching, they got good speed, they got good, good defense. You know, I mean, they're a very good team. They got a very good offense. They got some guys that, that I, I know better than some of the guys that I've played in the American League since they were in our division uh, for Washington. It is special because, of, you know, that's where I started. You know, I mean, if the Dodgers got there, that's why I was traded from, the, from there to the Dodgers. But, you know, the in the year, you know, the Hank Aaron celebration to be in the year, you know, Hank Aaron's passing, you know, to, to go back to Atlanta and talk to his wife and his kids and all the people that you know, that are, are close to the family. And also, I know a bunch of people, that, you, know, you know, when I first started. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's very special to go back, you know, to Atlanta. I mean, this is kind of, it's going to be a storybook ending, really, for, you know, for all of us. Yeah, who writes these scripts? Yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible how... You know, worlds collide this time of year, and the plot lines all come together magically this time of year. It's one of the things we love most about October. It's certainly one of the things that we love most about this World Series matchup. Doug, listening to Dusty talk there uh, from then and now, what was your foremost thought? Well, as he said, the full circle. And and that's something Dusty Baker pays a lot of attention to because he appreciate, appreciates the steps he's taken and, and really tries to learn from them. He, he's always talking about growth, always talking about reflecting and seeing purpose in everything. So the fact that he can kind of see this come around again is, is very much a sign in, in how he interprets the world. You know, he's like, hey, this is like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's something he would, would say, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is sort of, um, you know, my destination and, and it's not in our control. You know, we can try to do what we can, but then this is you know where I'm meant to be and and no sweeter place to kind of go back to where it started you know it's like when I got traded the Phillies and playing against the Cubs and you kind of remember these things and you get milestones and and you kind of realize that you know that first team is always special to you and you're always you know just like trying to make your parents proud you're always trying to make that team proud or beat them down for trading you or whatever it is but you always want a reminder 
about that where it began that you want to do it with pride and honor. So I think, you know, I don't think Dusty could have written it any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Doug, get traveling around um, in this postseason, getting, you know, you ride, you ride around in the back of these Ubers. And what do the drivers yeah. always ask when they find out what I do? Yeah, Who are you rooting right. for? <laughs> you know, and I always try to explain to them, um, you know, I don't root. Uh, I root really for the best stories. Um, there's no better story than Dusty Baker right now. None. Um, you know, he, this is a guy, he's, he's won now with five different teams. He's been to the postseason with five different teams without ever having won a World Series. Uh, it's incredible how many of those teams let him go after a playoff run. And then, even though he'd won, couldn't get a job to get back in the game. And then this thing happened. If the Astros cheating scandal does not go down, how it went down, when it went down, Dusty Baker wouldn't have a managing job now. And so whatever you might think about that cheating scandal, uh, it's just amazing to take a step back and realize that's what led this man to this place at this moment in time. And if he wins now with this team, given all that had to happen for him to be the manager of the Astros, it takes a great story and makes it so much more powerful. And so Dusty Baker remains, I, I think, probably the, the single biggest personality in this World Series and why the heck not? Hey, Doug, let's move along now to Alex Anthopoulos because what a deadline that guy had. He traded for literally a whole new outfield. <laughs> Jock Peterson, Adam Duval, Jorge Soler, even picked up the NLCS MVP in his travels, Eddie Rosario. My, my joke in my column the other day was he traded for every available outfielder except Dale Murphy and J.D. Drew. <laughs> But without those deals, the Braves finish, what, third maybe? Uh, but because of those deals, they are in the World Series. And so we had such a fascinating conversation, I thought, with Alex uh, right after the deadline. Let's look back on what he had to say then. And, you know, first off, I thought what was so interesting about the conversation, Doug, was Alex's feel for the timing, not just of making moves, but when you make them. You know, the, the psych whole psychology of what it would mean to his team to make a move before the next game they played after they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. for the year. Uh, so we asked him about that. It was so good. I, you know, we had to, I felt like, and organizationally, we needed to try to do something. Um, it definitely looked bleak, and it was important in my mind to send a message to the clubhouse that we weren't pulling the plug. I had a very good sense that the minute we reported back on Friday, the conversation was going to shift to, okay, sky is falling, Anderson's out, Acuna's out for the season now. We'd obviously lost Ozuna, Darno, and Noah, uh, you know, a lot of other players. And I felt like the topic was going to change to, okay, you guys are selling, who's going, and that was going to permeate the, the clubhouse. And, um, you know, we weren't ready to go that route, so – I called Jed Hoyer during the All-Star break. He was trying to juggle the same things. We were both 
hadn't spent time with family and he had a lot of things going. And I just explained to him that I would do more and pay more for a deal now. I was very transparent. The, the timing of the deal was as important as the deal itself because I felt like, and I wanted to get it on the board by Thursday night, Friday morning at the latest. So when guys showed up, it was like, okay, we're adding, we're not selling. And that conversation was going to get uh, crushed right out of the gate. So, um, you know, obviously we like Jock and we thought he was a good player, but it was definitely timing was critically important in my mind because we, we talked about it before. Our two weeks of games coming out of the break were against really, really good teams. The Brewers, the Padres, um, Tampa Bay. We had five against the Mets, Phillies. We had a meat grinder those last two weeks. So uh, it was important. I felt like from a morale standpoint, our guys were still, we were going to move forward and I was going to continue to try to add. And we were, as an organization, going to continue to try to add. Yeah, You know, Doug, a lot of teams and a lot of GMs would have looked at Ronald Acuna Jr. going down and said, oh, well, that's that. We're done. And he said it. They would have punted. They would have sold. They yeah. could very easily have sold at the deadline. Instead, Alex looked at his team, even without Acuna, without Marcelo Zuna, hey, without their best starter, by the way, Mike Soroka, right? And said, we're better than this. We asked him about that, too. No, I think we had so – there was a few components. And you're right. We, you know, being five around the 500 mark in that stretch – was a good outcome considering how things had been going and the players that we had lost and so on. And um, I think generally speaking, our run differential was pretty solid. I think it was as good as anyone in the NL East. Um, so that was a quick indicator from that standpoint. We had a bunch of players that obviously were really talented, but weren't playing up to what they had done in the past. And they had all the ability. It's not like they had lost their talent or ability. And you felt like at some point there'd be a regression to the mean that these guys were going to start playing better. And, you know, the other component was, okay, um, Ian Anderson, we felt like, would be back at some point in August. Noah would be back at some point in August. Darno would be back at some point in August. So those are really impactful guys. And you still have another six weeks left. But we had 60 games left. 60 games, a lot of games. And, um, you know, I give our manager, our coaches, our players all the credit in the world because they kept us close. And you, you, we tried to make trades all season, but it, very few clubs are motivated to make deals early, um, both from a competitive standpoint, fan base, clubhouse. It's tough to start selling. So most times these deals happen at the end of July. So to have to wait pretty much till the end of July to be able to add um, your players and your coaches and your manager, you need to be able to keep the team close. And they did that. They, they certainly deserve all the credit for being able to keep the club close until we were able to add. Uh, okay, they deserve credit. They don't deserve all the credit because <laughs> the general manager was incredible. I, I want you to think about <laughs> all that he was able yes. to get done in just that last 24 hours before the deadline. Uh, you know, he'd already traded for Jock a couple weeks earlier, but then it got to July 29th and he struck early and often. Adam Duval, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler. I uh, didn't see the last two coming at all. And I don't think we appreciate how hard it is to make that many deals uh, essentially at the same time. So how did he keep his sanity? That was another thing we asked him. Yeah, and look, it wasn't by design. We were trying to do stuff a week before, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Look, I've had this happen a few times trade deadline. You know, you I really don't like doing things the last day. I don't. It's just it's a scramble. There's a lot going on. All 30 clubs are having dialogue. 
you're up against the clock. You've got to get your trainers involved, doctors and so on. It's just not a very, it's not a good environment to make a decision. in. So, um, but it just worked out that way. Now, look, we, our projected starting outfield was gone. So we essentially needed to replace three outfielders. Um, and we got through the season for four months with the group that we had and they did a solid job for us, but we didn't, you know, I definitely don't want to be in that position. I have to add that many players and uh, make that many trades. I would much rather be in a position where you're like the Chicago White Sox. And, oh, you know, you need a second baseman, you need a reliever, and you're good because you're, you're winning the division, you're in great shape, and uh, you just need to tweak and so on. But look, we had a lot of work to do. We had a lot of holes. And, um, you know, that's, you know, you look back, and I wish I'd done more in in the winter or earlier in the season and, and so on. But I am glad we were able to salvage some things and get back to being competitive again. Of course, he'd rather not do that. <laughs> who, the, who the heck would want to do that? That's not a draw it up. Uh, but but I mean, the, the impressive thing was that he did what he had to do. Uh, so w- w- one more thing, and then we'll, we'll talk about this. I, I, I had a chance to talk to him on the field the other night after the Braves uh, won the NLCS. Uh, it was me and, uh, and two other distinguished members of my profession. Uh, so we asked Alex about two things that night. Uh, first was, it took his team 100 and 11 games just to get over 500. And did he see this coming then? Uh, the other thing was about Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario and why he traded for a player who was hurt at the time and he knew couldn't play, couldn't help for weeks. You know what? We were, it was, we didn't think ahead of playoffs or anything, trying to get into the playoffs. That's all you, you got to get in first. So trying to win the NL East was the most important thing. We were competitive relative to the other clubs. And we had a lot of guys that were hurt that had gotten off to slow starts. And we felt like we could make a sprint the last two months of the year. We ended up with the third best run differential in the NL behind the Giants in LA. So I know we won 88 games, no doubt about that. The last two months, though, I don't think we were the same team with guys that came back and so on, but we never thought so far ahead. Look, when we got the last out, I was in Snit's office watching, and I just told myself, we're going to the World Series. I can't believe it. <laughs> when, when you did acquire Rosario, what, what kind of player did you think you were getting? You know, obviously his track record had been around a long time. He had gotten off to a slow start with Cleveland. It just started to swing the bat well. He was available. We needed a lot of bodies, clearly. A lot of guys were hurt and so on. But the one thing is he was a contact bat. And in the, in the playoffs, there's a lot of swing and mess stuff that you're facing. So having the ability to put the ball in play is a big deal. Doug, I wrote about this the other night uh, after game six. There has never been a World Series team like the 2021 Braves that never had a winning record, even for one day, until they played 111 games. Now, you've been on teams like that. How difficult is it uh, for the group to maintain enough belief uh, to be able to go through that and still ha- find a way, have this the mental strength to do what they've done. Very difficult. And you know, one one story comes to mind is talking to Scott Rowland on the field at Veterans Stadium, and the Braves were off to their usual <laughs> incredible start. We were near the All Star break, and he started rattling off the math, and he's like, "Well." If we play 725 baseball and the Braves play 500, we would be tied. <laughs> <laughs> so is that going to happen? <laughs> so, so there's a lot of times you face these mountains and the math doesn't look good. You, you might have belief. You might go out there. But so often when you're in that kind of hole, it's really hard to come out of it. So a lot of things had to line up for Alex Anthopoulos. You know, for starters, 
you know, just being thankful for his training staff. Guys came back when they were supposed to. They came back and almost acted like August trades. You know, they came in and they came in, you know, in a in sort of peak form, maybe in some degree had an advantage, but having some rest a little bit while they were out, came back, and then they had to hit their stride. They also had to be in a division that nobody was taking the reins. The Phillies and the Mets were just beating each other up and floundering. So there was an opportunity. I mean, he was like, he didn't even mention the wild card, right? He was like, yeah, he's not even talking about that. He was talking about the division. And usually you think that's the that's the trophy, but that was more achievable. So he had a plan, and certainly everything had to work out, but he thought through that they were still in it because nobody was controlling it. He made trades for players that he could see the upside. He's like, there's no way Jorge Soler is going to stay hitting 190 or whatever. He, he believed that they can kind of make that market improvement. Rosario has had very good years with Minnesota. And he just said, hey, if we can play our best baseball and mix it in with the talent, and then people, Ian Anderson, people come back, yeah, we have a really good team. And so he mentioned the sprint, and that is exactly it. So I remember doing, I think I did a Braves-Cardinals game earlier in the year, and it was that period where they were winning and then going to 500, then losing, then going to 500, then winning, then going. They did <laughs> yeah, this for weeks. like, like oh, a week weeks. or two weeks. It was a, three weeks. It was like, I was like, wait a minute. So we were right in the thick of it. And and like I remember talking to uh, – I think it was Schultz who was like, couldn't even figure out. He's like, I don't know what's going on with this team. <laughs> and, and both of them, you know, got to the postseason. So you just got to hang in there sometimes. And and I'll tell you what, they had the talent, so they just put it yeah, together. I, I, you know, I think Alex talked about this in our podcast. If they're in the same division as the Dodgers and Giants, he's not doing that. You know, you're not making four trades to just hope you play one game, one wild card game. Um I mean, even though the cost for Soler and Rosario in particular was so negligible, look, for Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, they traded away Pablo Sandoval to Cleveland, and the Indians said, no thanks, we're good, and they released him. <laughs> uh, so that was just about the money, being willing to take on that, that amount of money. Um, but good for him for understanding that sometimes that opportunity – is there, and even if maybe you don't deserve that opportunity, it's there. You, you don't get to choose what division you're in. Ask the Dodgers. And if you have that chance, go for it. No season is ever worth giving up on if there's a chance. And that's what came through loud and clear in our conversation with Alex is he understands that. He understands the way players think. He understands the, the, the pulse of his clubhouse, the pulse of his coaching staff, the pulse of his fan base, as well as any general manager in the game. It's a really overlooked part of being a leader, um, just to be in tune with what everybody's thinking around you and how the stuff you do can impact that thinking. That's why, to me, what he did at the deadline is up there with the greatest deadlines in the history of deadlines by any general manager. I mean, don't you agree? I agree. And and I think you hit on a point about the messaging. It's so important to players to maintain that belief. You know, because as a job, as a general manager, you have to have a vision. You have to be a visionary. Not only looking ahead and saying, here's what's possible, but looking behind and kind of going off that experience and saying, this body of work, this 162 games could tell a different story than where we are right now. 
And so the belief became that sort of X factor because it was a message by being able to make these trades to say to the player, like you said, Acuna Jr. goes down. It was like, boom, no, we're back. We're, we're coming out. And remember he said that he wanted to make sure they were like kind of staggered. There was like an announcement <laughs> a day. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like this big. It was like yeah. one, boom, boom, boom. And, and I'll tell you, that electrifies a clubhouse. There was times I was in locker rooms looking around like, are we, you know, we're going to do anything. We just need one piece. This person's hurt. And you're just waiting for the radio silence to break. And, and when you do that in the fashion which he said this, sent this message to say we're in this and we can in it, we're in it to win it and we can't actually pull it off if these guys just play anywhere close to some of their best years, uh, it proved that. And that just creates even a greater vote of confidence going forward that, that you'll trust your general manager in the moves that he's going to make and that he's never going to give up on the talent in the room. You know, that was really fun. To, to hear Dusty and Alex uh, again and, and really reflect on <laughs> what they said then, what it means now, because, you know, they were so honest, they were so thoughtful, they were so insightful. And so even though we didn't do those conversations this week, in this moment, they still resonate. And they give us such a great window into what this World Series means for these two teams and the people who lead them. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Okay, Doug, we have had fun so far today, but that's about to change because it's time once again for Listener Trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, you know, despite this humiliation that this segment heaps upon us week after week, we continue to literally involve you by inviting some lucky listener to join us on this podcast to stump us with some trivia question that we obviously can't answer. Maybe next week, that lucky listener could be you, and we'll tell you how you could make that happen in just a few minutes. Uh, Doug, this week, we asked for World Series trivia question. Uh, our favorite came from a friend of the show and a longtime friend of mine, Chris Isidore. He's a man who has stumped <laughs> us before, like everybody else out there. Chris, welcome back yeah. to Starkville. Glad to be back. Uh, Doug, you know, Chris was so excited about being part of this show that he sent me seven World Series <laughs> trivia questions, all of them revolving around the two managers. Uh, so, Chris, how come you only submitted seven? You couldn't get to like 10 or 20, 50? I was busy. Only seven? Again, so that was all I could come up with. 
<laughs> okay, well, they were really good. And uh, the one we chose, we we really loved. So uh, you're busy. <laughs> it's a really busy time of year for us. So um, it's time for you to do some stumping. Chris, what is your question? So Dusty Baker has more regular season wins, 1987, than any manager who's never won a World Series. He overtook Gene Mock for that unfortunate distinction this season. <laughs> He, he did win a series as a player in 1981, and he hopes to join four managers who have won World Series so far this century who had previously won um, World Series as a player as well, though some of those playing day wins occurred in the 20th century. Who are the four? So four managers who won the World Series as a manager in this century right. who also won the World Series as a player, but not necessarily in this century. Well, that's not um, bad, that's not okay. bad because 21st century has not been that long, right? You know? Well, it's 20 <laughs> years. That's long enough to stump us. <laughs> okay. This is a fun yeah. question. And theoretically, Doug, it feels like it shouldn't be that hard because it's not that hard to think of all the managers who have won a World Series in this century, even though we haven't had a single team repeat, uh, at least win two years in a row. Uh, Here's what I think is hard. It's trying to remember if these guys actually played for a team that won. Um, And like some of these, I know off the top of my head, Dave Roberts. Like, we spent the whole postseason talking about his stolen base for the 2004 mm-hmm. Red Sox. So we know he won as a player and as a manager both yes. in this century. Well, uh, another he, one. He does right? count. That one. Jason, he does count for this, but he actually did not play in the 04 World Series. He never got in a game in the 1904, I mean, the 2004 World Series after stealing that base in the ALCS. He, yeah, I know that. That was literally his last his last uh, hurrah, right? right. So, yes. so he does count in this question, though, for that reason. He was on the roster. Oh, yes, the roster. Well. Okay, that's okay. Cool. So Dave Roberts is Dave Roberts is one. Um, Joe Girardi, I know, has to be another because I live in Philadelphia and they talk about this all the time. Hey, Joe, one is a player and one is a manager. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's an answer. Yes. Uh, okay. Also, pretty sure Mike Sosha is an answer. One as a manager, 2002 Angels. And would have won with the Dodgers in the eighties. I think you can you can wait till we thrash this out, Chris. Well, 80, uh, Eighty-eight um, would it be? You know, eighty-eight. Uh, eighty-one. But we're not going to have Chris no, tell no, us no, on this no, one yet because I'm not a thousand percent sure. He actually was Dusty's uh, teammate in '81 as well, so he he won two as a player. Oh, so he did win. Okay, so Chris, you, yeah. you just did give us well, that answer. He, so now we we have one on to go. Left. All right, so let just okay. Let us let us. Uh, thrash that's what we do best we <laughs> this is thrash. a tough one though no. <laughs> okay yeah so this is hard because uh what's left is guys who are mostly not everyday players alex cora mm-hmm. ned yost mm-hmm. dave martinez yep. terry francona mm-hmm. uh john farrell pitching the big leagues wasn't a star mm-hmm. um then there's bob mm-hmm. brenly and ozzy Gein, who obviously played yep. a lot uh, but the, like those Giants teams Bob Brenly played on, they didn't win. Uh, the White Sox teams that Ozzie Guillen played on, they mm-hmm. didn't win. Uh, and, and Chris, just to be clear, Joe Torre does not qualify, right? Because you have the century starting in 2001? Joe Torre actually never was in a World Series before he managed the Yanks in 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 
I knew that. I just I figured people out there were, were, were going to guess him. Does he so. qualify? <laughs> that's a, <laughs> if they want to guess him, now they don't have to. So <laughs> okay, like, at least right. we got that out of the way. So okay, right. Okay, so Doug, uh, here is my hunch mm-hmm. on this. I remember Ozzy Guillen playing for the Braves in oh, the because he gave me a stiff neck and a brawl. Uh, of course, I remember that. That's so you remember it too. So, um, oh, but if he gave you a <laughs> stiff neck while he was with the yeah. Braves, that would have been after '95, and he didn't play for the Braves long. Yeah. So that's probably. So that means my <laughs> guess is probably yeah, wrong. So I'm, I'm just going to throw this to oh. you then. What do you think? Yeah, I had fortunately I had these guesses pretty well. What about uh, Bruce Bochy, um, backup catcher? Yeah, I forgot. To, I forgot where to even is, mention Bruce. Where Bochy, is he in this? Is he, he play. He caught. You know, did he sneak in there somehow? Yeah, he. I mean, he Astros, like his Astros teams that he caught for didn't yeah. win. Uh, Padres teams yeah, he caught he for didn't win. win. Where? I All mean, right. I. 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 I meant All right. To so ma- what about Bob Brunley? Brunley was. Giants, right? Catcher. He. What about? Yeah, and what about base. the you know the Hackman Jeff Leonard with the one flap down? Was wasn't that the A's? Yeah, they didn't win the World oh, Series true. though. They didn't win the World Series, so he was, that was it. That was the first. Okay. Remember, yeah, Willie. Yeah. yeah, Willie Mays never won and all oh, that that's stuff. That's right. That's terrible. All right, I'm crossing <laughs> people off now. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it, that guy's off. Now, you, you think Panella? When did Panella? When, when did he wasn't two thousand though. He was twenty first century ever. No, too late. Yeah, too late. Right, uh, crossing uh, him off. Yeah, he, Ned, Ned, Ned. How about Ned Yost? Right, did catch for the Braves. Braves. Caught for the Brewers. They Brewers never won. Eighty two. But didn't Ned Yost finish his career as a as a backup oh, catcher Ned? for the Braves? I'm just okay. again. I'm thrashing. AJ, I'm crossing people <laughs> out. AJ Hinch. Alec. Uh, Where did, no, AJ did he, Hinch. A lot of backup one. stuff, right? Yeah, but didn't he really very not a lot of big yeah. league time. Uh, how about Alex Cora? Oh, yeah, he must did he? Do, uh but wait, do, hold on now. The, but the Dodgers they didn't win f- for all those no. years. Well, uh, he snuck he on a lot been, of teams. Oh, because he could have oh, wait, 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 wait. I think he's the answer, wasn't he? He was with the Red Sox. When they when won, they won he, in he, wasn't he there? Yeah, oh seven. Hey, wait, maybe? I like it. I like it because all right, Dave Martinez was like Cubs. I mean, I'm Francona and Expos. Yeah, no, Farrell pitched for Cleveland, right? Mostly the Indians and Brunley. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so yeah. we're gonna all right. So I let, think we're we'll going Cora. Okay. Okay. Um, now, if this goes how it usually goes, we obviously mentioned Literally the right, right answer. And we we talk. talked ourselves out of the right answer. Just a gift we have, man. That's just we're good at that. Like, we're not good at answering the question. We're good at really good at talking ourselves out of the answer to the question. So let's get this over with. Uh, we've already gotten Dave Roberts, Joe Girardi, Mike Socia. Is there any chance that the fourth answer? Is Alex Cora, Chris? Yes, it is. Ah, what? Yeah, what? Down, go oh my God! <laughs> trivia, did, trivia, wait, trivia. Did we actually? Did we just actually get this yes, right? <laughs> That's pretty good because Alex Cora's entire World Series playing career consisted of one plate appearance oh over two games, and the one plate appearance he bunted 
you know, but that's you know, it counts. It counts. It, it definitely yeah. counts. If Dave Roberts counts with no games, then Alex Cora with, with oh, yeah. in one plate appearance definitely counts. Hey, well, you know, if I if with the Cubs, I, I was going to accept the ring. I don't care if I sat on the bench in the World Series. I would accept that ring. Yeah, so. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, hey, hey Doug. We just rose to the moment in October. It's That's what we're it. all about. Uh, it's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay, so, so let's here's how let's break this down. Our regular season record, five and twenty-one, yeah. pathetic. Right. Postseason record now one and two. And I, you know, everybody knows October is all that matters. Am I right? Absolutely. And well, think of it this way: we are one and zero going into the World Series. So I, I think that's. That's where it counts, man. That's well, all it counts. That's right. Get hot when it matters. If you, if you win sure. the last game of the year, that that's a championship, right? That's it. That's right. Yeah, so we should really disband the show right now. Good idea. Let's do that. This is the last Starkville, everybody. Right, <laughs> we it, might, go out. it might be the last Starkville before the World Series is over. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Um, look, if you listen regularly, you know that whether we get the question right or wrong, we still bring in our mayor, Tim McMaster, usually is to try to disguise our pathetic attempt to get the question right. Uh, this week, Tim's going to let us celebrate by playing some cool play-by-play clip, clip involving this week's answer. So let's bring in Mr. Mayor. What are we about to listen to? Nicely done, guys. Uh, what we are going to listen to, because uh, these ones are tough, because you mentioned Alex Cora barely doing much in the World Series. <laughs> Joe Girardi had an RBI triple game six back in 1996. I almost went with that one. But when you're speaking historically, even though it wasn't in the World Series, had to go with the stolen base. Yeah. Miller still waiting for his first pitch. Roberts is going. Posada's throw. Roberts, safe. Roberts will come to the plate. The throw by Williams. Bill Miller has tied it. Wow. wow. Like, yeah, like, I, I know that Dave Roberts still isn't still around here this postseason, but that is such an incredible moment. It's so amazing to to think back on that moment and how it changed so many lives. Uh, never get tired of hearing it. Uh, Chris, great question. And always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for the seven trivia questions. Thanks especially yeah, for this one because yeah, we got it right. A good one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Strange but true. All right. Uh, it's like we can only bask in our trivia success so long, Doug. <laughs> Let's move along to a part of the show we love every week, as opposed to this week when we also love the trivia segment. It's Strange But True, where we look back on the strangest but truest stuff that happened since our last show. Uh, Doug, th- this week, I would like to go with one 
that you were especially <laughs> excited about. Um, I'll set the scene for everybody out there. It's the middle of game five. I start getting excited texts from Doug Glanville, who apparently just noticed that the Dodgers had three former MVP position players hanging around. Doug, did you miss that memo earlier when they signed Albert Pujols five months ago? Apparently so, but then I saw them all bunched up at the bottom of the order, too. I was like, what kind of lineup is this? Yeah, well... Uh, Mookie Betts was not bunched, but uh, Cody Bellinger and Albert Pujols were down there at the bottom of the order. And that actually worked out great because the Dodgers got did so much damage in that game at the bottom of their order. So uh, at the part that Doug was excited about, which is that the Dodgers started three former MVPs in the same postseason game, turned out not to be the strange but true part. <laughs> okay? The Dodgers have started three MVPs before this season many times. When Clayton Kershaw pitched, they started four. Uh, during the postseason, they started the, the three MVPs before this game. Here, here's how this wound up in this segment. This was a game where all three of them got hits. Oh, yeah. right? And They got six hits altogether. But they almost that almost didn't happen. Uh, we know that Cody Bellinger had a big game. He did his part. Albert Pujols got two hits, reached base three times. It was a real blast from the past, so he did his part. But then, in his final at-bat of that game, Mookie Betts did this. Three and two to Betts. Here's the pitch. He drills a base hit into left field. Lead-off single for Mookie Betts here in the eighth inning. Yeah, Mookie Betts got a hit. So that meant we had six hits from three former MVPs. And now we had a great note and a great strange but true segment. So, Doug, you ready for my factoids oh, yeah. on this moment? That was a very <laughs> subdued Charlie Steiner, too. I was, I was kind of like, who, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but whatever. We don't care. Okay, uh, here's, the, here's what we dug up uh, with the help of my friends from Stats. Last team before this Dodger team to get hits from three former MVPs in the same postseason game. Doug, this was a team you loved. It was the 1983 Wheeze Kid Phillies. Uh, You want to get? They got five hits from three MVPs. You want to guess who they Uh, were? Well, Mike Schmidt. Joe Morgan. Doug, you just got a second trivia question right. Okay, <laughs> Rose, Joe Morgan, Mike Schmidt. That is correct. That was Game Three of the 1983 NLCS. Now, uh, last team to get f- hits from three former MVPs in a postseason elimination game. That was the 1964 Yankees. You want to try and guess them too, Oof. Doug? Nope, I'm not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Mickey Mantle, Roger Ooh. Maris. And Elston Howard did it two games in a row. Wow. They had played game six and seven. So that was a good one. Um, here's, a, here's a really good one. Last team to get hits from more than three former MVPs mm. in one postseason game. 1982 Angels, oh, four Fred of them. Oh, Fred Lynn, Don uh, Baylor. Fred Lynn was one. Yep, our friend of the yeah, show. Donnie Baylor. Right. Don Baylor was one. Um, I don't know. Is Reggie Jackson in there? Reggie Jackson was one. You're rolling, man. You're missing a Hall of Famer. Oh, was was he Hall of Famer with the Angels? Did he go in go in uh, as an Angel? 
Angels and Twins. Oh, Rod Carew. Rod Carew. The is. Right. Rod Carew. Yeah, very good. All right. Okay, now uh, one more One more we dug up. Only one team has ever gotten more than six hits from former MVPs in a postseason game. Uh, that was 50 years ago this week. Uh, 1971 Orioles. Seven hits from three former MVPs. Want to try uh, it? Brooks Robinson. Frank yeah. Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and remember those Orioles won the a lot. Pitchers? Okay. Uh, no. Boog, Boog Powell okay, was Boog, the last yeah. one. So Brooks Robinson, Frank Robinson, Boog Powell. So there you go, Doug. That was a great, uh, great yeah. note. Great idea from you. Uh, you. You just happen to have the wrong idea <laughs> and the wrong note. <laughs> but, but as usual, I saved you. So uh, thanks. Turned out to be a really fun, strange but true slice of postseason life. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We've been here every Tuesday, all season long, as part of the Athletic Baseball Show. And we'll be making more podcast magic all world series long. Uh, So will Ken Rosenthal every Monday, Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on Thursdays, and Keith Law and Derek Van Riper on Fridays. So be sure to tune in to the Athletic Baseball Show throughout this World Series. Uh, And you know, the Athletic Baseball Show is available in its entirety, absolutely free, at Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, you can still find us ad-free at the Athletic app. If you like what you hear, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and give us one of those five-star reviews. If you'd like to read our work or any of the fantastic writing on our site, there is still no better sports writing being done anywhere than in The Athletic. So if you've thought about subscribing, just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you can subscribe for 50% off. So check us out. You'll be happy that you did. Also remember, you too can be part of this podcast, just like Chris Isidore, because every week we invite some lucky listener to join us on the podcast and stump us with some baseball trivia question we can't answer, which is pretty much (laughs) all of them. So to do that, you could email us a question at starkville at theathletic.com. That's what Chris Isidore did. Or fire those questions at us on Twitter. If somebody were firing a question at Doug Glanville, how would that happen, Doug? Yeah, well, I used to catch back in the day when I was about 13. Uh, that would be at Doug Glanville. Yep. Pretty easy. D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. Uh, very well. Done, Doug. You once again spelled your name 100% correctly. Uh, here's how you spell mine. I am at Jason S T. That's J A Y S O N S T. Please remember to hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville Q S. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Dusty Baker and Alex Anthopoulos for visiting us again. Uh, thanks to Chris Isidore for the great trivia question. Thanks to the returning mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Coming up Thursday on the Athletic Baseball Show, it's Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. Doug and I will see you next week on Starkville.